When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, Season 1 listener favorites, Tamara McMillan and Shana Hammond. Hey, what you drink? So, what could we do to make? I wouldn't. I don't make is a strong word. Uh, what what can we do to encourage? executives, business leaders, organizations to understand the true benefit of what you're talking about, because it's not natural. It's not normal. Executives are, are used to being the only ones at the table making the decisions and everyone else just execute what I, you know, what I tell you to, to execute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I've said in a couple of different episodes, seniority in an organization gives you some degree of protection against insubordination. There's a benefit there, but at the same time, if you're the only one making those decisions, if you're the only one creating the products, if you're the only one molding the service, then how effective is that service? Is that product really back to back to Shana's point? What can we do to encourage uh, organizations to take a a, a broader view uh, on the benefit of truly embracing this liberation that that you're talking about? You know, that's a good question because for me, especially at Lead for Liberation, we actually have a set of criteria that we use for who we engage with. So we don't engage with everyone. And we often say we're the organization, we're we're the, you know, 4.0, we're the 2.0. We're not the introductory organization. We're not the ones to encourage you or convince you Mm -hmm. that this is important. We attract those who already know this is important. Either they know because they're losing profit or they're losing people or they're, or on the other end, they have a vision, but they're just not quite sure how to get there. And they know there's a better way. And so that's who we tend to work with and attract. So I I very rarely spend time, really any time with folks who need encouraging or who don't understand or who don't know. They usually hear from our clients and then they come to the table once they've heard of the impact and then they're brought along. I think for human beings in general, a lot of us, when we're scared and we're in that fear state, we need to see an example. We don't necessarily trust what we have never experienced or seen. And so I think for those folks who need encouragement, they need to be in places in proximity with people who are doing the work. And be able to ask questions and see up close and personal what's happening. And I think that'll help them move along. Yeah, I mean, I concur. Um, and I will echo left, right, 
around the corner. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I call myself disruption lifestyle coach for a reason. If you're not willing to be disrupted, if you're not willing to do something different, if you're not willing to look through another lens and even challenge your own biases and why you are where you are, the organization is not for you because I really, I don't even have the tolerance anymore. I don't even, not that I I don't want to, because you've had so many examples beforehand. Now you're trying to play crazy. The other thing that I'll piggybacking off of what Shana said, we live in a capitalistic, imperialistic, you know, society where at the end of the day, show them you getting ready to be underwater money, show them the importance of, again, capital, because that's what they understand. They understand money. So let me show you if you're interested in this conversation. So here are all the ways in which we might be able to help you help yourself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I keep thinking about the original Kings of Comedy and they made this <laughs> comment about Bernie Mac that nobody follows Bernie Mac. Mm -hmm. no, no, nobody really follows Tamara. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hey, one, one, of the one of the things, you know, in preparation for this, for this conversation, like I said, I've been looking forward to this for months. And I, I've listened to both of my episodes with each of you at least four or five times. And Shana, I'm going to go back to something you said in, in our conversation, because I think you articulated it incredibly well. You said, I, I think I asked you something like, while you're having massive success, and this is vastly different than what you were experiencing a few years ago, what was the difference? What was the mm. turning point? And you made the point that as soon as you started to love yourself, yeah. Mm. That's when things started to change. Yeah. And boy, I tell you, that has given me more pause in my car than any other comment that I have that I've had on this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and I see that both with you and with Tamara. And I think the way I've described Tamara is someone who is who she is. She's not afraid to tell you, show you, and demonstrate who she is. And you just got to deal with it, take it or leave it. And she's coming with that and unapologetically. So it's the same type of sentiment of having a love or regard or respect for yourself, not necessarily thinking that you're perfect, but mm -hmm. just even, even loving and embracing your imperfection, as Tamara says so beautifully, as learning opportunities, you know, and that's why she coins herself and phrases herself as being a failure fanatic because that's where she learned. So where does this, and I think I asked both of you this question, where does this confidence in who you are, this, this ability to stand on what you've done as opposed to trying to conform to what, you know, what others say is needed in order to be successful? You, you seem to kind of thumb your nose at what others say is needed to be successful. <laughs> So help me with that. Help me with that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, I always go first to what anchors me and what anchors me is my spirituality, my spiritual mm -hmm. groundedness. And it's not grounded necessarily in a denomination or religion or even particular community. It's in a knowing that I'm a spiritual being and I can access a higher power greater than me at any time. You know, and that's what I do. That's how I start my mornings. That's how I end my day every single day. And a lot of my confidence just comes from knowing that and like intentionally making sure that spirit self, that true self is in the driver's seat. And my personality is just in support of that and not the other way around. 
when I was operating my life, when it was the other way around and the personality was in the front seat, that's your ego. Your ego is incredibly fragile. It can just blow with the wind, depending upon what people say, what's going on, whether you're having a good day. And it's not necessarily sturdy. And I was looking for many years ago, just that sturdiness, that that you know feeling of regardless of how I'm received or perceived, that I can still stand in my truth, stand in my purpose and keep it moving. And what I have found is it's really finding that inner power, that ancestral power. The more that I convene with my ancestors, the more that I learn about that, the more that, that I learn about my intuition, my feminine side, the confidence just grows and it just becomes uh, an assurance in who I am. It's interesting. A lot of us have taken, you know, strengths finder before where you kind of, you know, come up with your five strengths. And as I was doing this work, the strength that surfaces now to the top that didn't used to before is self-assurance. And if you read the definition of self-assurance, it talks a lot about inner knowing and intuition. And a lot of my confidence really comes from that and honing that over time and really understanding what in the world that even means. Because in mainstream leadership development, it's not necessarily you know, valued as data and it's incredible data. And now that I know that and I'm able to hone that, I can do anything, you know, and I can support other women, other people in doing anything. And I'm just excited and grateful to have that knowing and to help others and create containers where other people can create that knowing and awaken to themselves. It's just nothing brings me more joy than that. And seeing people really discover and rediscover who they are and their power, there's, there's, there's just nothing better than that. And then they're going out into the world and doing amazing work. Hey, before we go to Tamara with that question, Shana, just I want to pose something back to you. What if organizations had people in them that reflected that same sentiment? People who relied on their intuition, people who had confidence in what they could bring, mm-hmm. people who felt as qualified as the CEO to offer mm-hmm. suggestions and opportunities to move the business object, uh, agenda forward. What if that were in place? What what could happen? What could be? Listen, in a word, liberation. That's what would happen. Work would move so much faster. There would be so fewer unproductive, you know, conflicts because there's a such thing as healthy conflict. There would be healthy conflict and healthy debate, and you would get to much better solutions faster. Folks would actually have fun at work. You would experience more joy. And that just bleeds over. It's infectious to the people that you're serving. And then you wouldn't have to work as hard to build. You know, I always often talk about the difference between birthing and building. When you're building, you're forcing, you're you're going out, you're trying to make it happen, right? When you're birthing, you're allowing, you're attracting, you're allowing the work that you do to work for itself, for people to speak on your behalf, for your work to speak for itself. And that's when you're in the flow. And when you get in flow, (laughs) it it, it just becomes so much easier and more joy-filled and joyful to do it. It's so tough, you know, working with people who don't understand it because it kind of seems counterintuitive, but there's nothing like, you know, seeing folks actually, you know, go through that process, surrender and say, okay, I'm going to try this new thing and actually see how much easier their work is on the other side, how much more sustainable it is. It's incredible. 
And every, I always say every organization has some folk in that organization who get that, but they haven't necessarily, like they don't speak it because they, it's not valued around them. And so they think that they have to tuck that away or they have to shrink themselves or just, you know, you know, I'm going to tuck that away that I'm going to be, you know, too much. If I bring this out, or if I say that thing, no one else is saying it. So it must not be true. And it's so important for leaders to create conditions and school cultures, or excuse me, and and, uh, organizational cultures where people can say the thing, where people can say, wait, you know, actually, I have a dissenting perspective about that. This is what I'm thinking. And then boom, a better, you know, solution comes down the line that no one expected. And it's just, it's imperative. And the rate that we're going in the world right now, how uncertain things are, we don't know anything in this mm-hmm. pandemic you know, world. We don't. And if you're not a leader who naturally knows how to function in that way and be transparent about what you don't know, you're really struggling right now. Mm. Wow. Tamara, so same question to you. Where does your, your confidence, your uh, tenacity, your self-assuredness and unapologetic in your knowledge of self, where does that come from? And what would happen if there were three or four of you in the same organization focused on the same objective? So I would say my grounding is steeped in two aspects or perspectives. First and foremost, I would say all of the black and brown women who give me energy and power every day. Can you say Harriet Tubman? Can you say Shirley Chisholm? Can you say Ida B. Wells? Yeah. All those women that were badass. And then my mother, my first example of a feminist up close and personal before I knew what feminism was. Then Alice Walker talking about the importance of womanism. It's like feminism, but it's not because it's like purple is similar to lavender, but they're not the same. So it's steeped in that. So how can I not take that on Dr. Maya Angelou, Oprah Winfrey, all of the women, right? Mary Church Terrell, who really paved the way, Angela Davis. So then that way, Shana and I could have this open and honest conversation. We can be entrepreneurs, we can be multimillionaires, and we can help other individuals like us and be unapologetic about it. So that's the first, again, space that really grounded me. Then the second one, also similarly, as we should not be surprised, (laughs) my spirituality. I too don't necessarily subscribe to a religion because that is what a practice, right? Spirituality is being. I'm being me, not looking for validation. So I too start my day like that as well. Research indicates the first 15 to 45 minutes sets the tone of our day. feed my mind before I do anything. I call it my morning masturbation. That's when I get an opportunity to be in connection with me to make sure that no matter who I encounter, person trying to cut me off, the person trying to, you know, play me, Mm -hmm. I have taken care of myself. And guess what? I can create space in between the the stimuli and the what reaction to make sure that I'm not slapping somebody. So, When I take care of my mind, I take care of myself, then I can determine whether a response is needed because I'm not going to react to you because you got to get up a little bit earlier in the morning for that. And then just carrying 
that out throughout the day and understanding what the hope already told us this spiritual really works. It really does. Mm -hmm. Like it is something amazing. The universe, like I said, Shana said, is always working on our behalf, waiting for us to show up. Everything that you need is already right there. It's just waiting for you to show up. And then all of the people, places, resources will present themselves as if they have been summoned to be there on your behalf. So I shifted from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, an abundant mindset, Carol Dweck's work, and understand that it is not scarcity it is abundance. So with Shane and I come together, we're here as collaborators, co-creators. We're not here to be in competition with one another. So guess what? I need her to win because where she go, I go. She needs me to win because I go, she goes. So it's that we win, 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 no matter what. And then when you realize that, you realize when you walk into the room, it is not you that's crooked. It's the room. Wow. Say that one more time. (laughs) So sure. So when you walk into the room, you know that it's the room that is crooked. It is not you because all too often as minorities, when we go into spaces where we're most times the only, Galen, you know what that looks like in corporate, Shannon, you know what that looks like. I know what that looks like. We're trying to affix ourselves and we're trying to think about the perfect thing to say. Shana already said it. I might have a dissenting fact or an opinion that's different Then guess what we do. We go into this code switch because we want to be seen as intellectual. We want to be able to see as we have something to offer to the fabric, even though it might be counter to what it is that we really believe. Wow. Wow. Okay. So now you you guys are reminding me of another conversation I had. Uh, It was actually the episode number one for season two with Radha. Yavovich, mm-hmm. who Shana, you know, yes. I'm not sure if you know, uh, but she she no. made the point. One of her favorite quotes is don't shave off the edges because the edges that make you different is what makes you special. And she was talking about that very point, Tamara, that you were making. And, and here's where it came home for me. A- as you guys know, uh, God gave me one shot to do this parenthood thing right. And so my little girl, Pride and Joy, the, the cutest, the smartest, the most talented little girl in the whole wide world, uh, she is at her first year at Spelman College in Atlanta. Hey. And, and we went in for the, the orientation and they were talking about all the incredible things that she will be able to do with a name like Spelman College behind her in four years and just all of the other uh, luminaries that have come through Spelman College. And I was impressed, but I was kind of expecting that because I've got a lot of friends who are Spelmanites. Sure. But one thing that, that they said, kind of in passing, that really struck me, and they just said in passing, and we have chemically treated the pool so that they won't affect your hair the same way if you go swimming. And I was like, wow. What a culture. That caused me to think, what else are we, you know, borrowing from, from Rada again? What else are we shaving off our edges in order to fit into a space that's not really meant for us? Right. And what happened if we just showed up and didn't have to shave off, shave off our edges or refuse to shave off our edges and just, just showed up 
with all the things that Shana, you talked about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, all the things, Tamara, that you continue to talk about. First of all, what's your reaction to some chemical treatment that you can put in the pool so it doesn't affect your hair? Yes, sir. And then what other things are there that we don't even know? Roddy even made this point, the point as well. She said that there are things that marginalized people have come to accept and accommodate that they don't even know mm. that they're accepting and accommodating. Mm -hmm. It's just become part of how yes. they navigate life. So what's your reaction to just this idea of constantly having to navigate in a world that was not built for you and does not celebrate those things that make you unique? What, what's your reaction to that? I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I created the Indigo Women community. I mean, it's literally a Black women identified space for all Black women. And that is so incredibly important because everywhere isn't Spelman, where they are creating the pools to situate and center us in what we need, right? And it's specifically a space for us to come to an awareness of the difference between who we actually authentically are and who we thought we had to be in order to survive. And there's a whole section we call reset that really talks about going from leading from the margins to leading from the center. Leading from the margins is when we assimilate, when we kind of tuck away different intersections of our identity in order to conform you know, to white dominant norms. And we do it sometimes so subtly and so frequently that we don't notice it because it's in the air, it's in the smog, it's, it's expected of us. And we think that also is what makes us successful. And so in that space is the time to really think about what did it cost me to do this? And when they hear other sisters talk about what they've done, that's when the light bulbs go off and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing my mirror right now. And what she just said is exactly how I show up. And I didn't even realize that that's how I was showing up. And that's not even really what I believe. And that's why it's so critically important for us and for any person, a part of any marginalized group to find spaces that are safe with other people who share that intersection to have those kinds of conversations and to heal. Because that's really our work to do. Our work to do is to heal, period. You know, and white folks have different work to do, which is why in Lead for Liberation, we have a whole other program specifically for white executives. Because yes, they have to heal, but they also have a lot of dismantling to do and a lot of changing of, of systems and processes and practices. We have it in us too. We're, you know, unknowingly transferring some of that pain and some of that racism to each other based upon those lies that we have internalized based on white supremacy. And if we don't get in community and talk about that, then we're just causing the same exact harm as everybody else. Mm. And so it is imperative that places like Spelman exist, places like Indigo Women Community, places like what Tamara's built, like those places are so important and they're critical, they're necessary, and they have to be in place in order for us to be able to show up in the fullness of who we are. Tamara, what, what, what are your thoughts? What wow. are your thoughts? Echo, yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, the only other thing that you know, I would probably offer is, Shane talked about healing, and in, in that healing, then it is our re 
responsibility to play interference for one another, to put one another on, to put one another on the game, to put one another on to the systems that are working in the background because this world was never devised for us to win. So we have to, again, do it together in the moment we begin reckoning and resolve that we are the chosen people and understand our power, understand our privilege, and also understand our brilliance, then we can begin debunking and pulling back all of the layers to the what? Negativity, all of the lives, the myths, truths, and the characterizations, and leaning into the noise. And then G-checking Susan and Karen when they're out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So we get that when we're in these affinity groups, because guess what? We get an opportunity to do what? Pour into one another so our cup runneth over. So when we're going out there, when people are trying to come at us, I already got my Shana armor on. You, yeah, okay. And then be able to kind of deflect and then come back and just like, you know what? Did you just hear what you asked me? It was kind of like, it was the interview. Who was it? Toni Morrison, white female interviewer asked her, why didn't she write basically more characters, right? Remember that work like Caucasian. So she said, first and foremost, do you realize how racist your question is? And do you ask that of a white male author or anybody else? Or there was another example of when it was an athlete and athlete or an actress something and the interviewer asked her, um, well, how are you managing your work-life balance, basically home and in family? And she said, are you going to ask the male winners as well? So it's really calling out toxic masculinity. It is really calling out all of these systems, systemic oppression that really have been put in place for a fragile few because they see that the pendulum is shifting. And when we get it all the way together, good night, Irene. No stopping us. Ah, This has been an amazing conversation and we're not done. We're not done yet. But, uh, you know, I want to bring in this idea of jazz because that's what we've been doing right here. Jazz is, first of all, I, I love jazz literally right so if you yes. double back and hear conversations i've had with eddie beckton conversations i've had with dr uh, russell robinson you'll dig how much i appreciate musically jazz but the metaphor talk to me about how the metaphor mm. fits into the work that you do because this conversation in my opinion is an example of that metaphor i could have tried to come up with the questions I wanted to ask you, the things we wanted to talk about. I could have sent that to you two weeks ahead of time. And and instead I said, let's just turn on the mic, let's make this happen. And I don't know that I could have created this, what we're having, but how, how important is that metaphor in the work that you do, uh, both personally as well as in your businesses? The thing that I instantly thought about when you said jazz, the metaphor, and how it brings synergy brings me to this point. And I wish it was mine. When you have the right artist at the right moment with the right headspace and the right perspective, you leave the door open 
and allow the universe to come in and tuck in and magic happens. That's this. We don't need a script. We don't need to be prepared when you have brilliant beings that just show up unapologetically, authentically, and then operating from their brilliant zone. You can't help but to make music. Yes. It made me think of um, the essence of the work that I do in both organizations. When I, and speaking of genius, right, zone of genius, when I try to distill down what I do in both organizations and what the secret sauce is and all of that, it's very connected to what you were saying, Tamara, because I believe our job as leaders, our jobs as people, our jobs as parents is to create divine right containers. And that means we have to be responsible, right, for doing what we need to do with ourselves to make sure we're showing up as our full selves and create a safe container that's both rigorous and loving, that you're, you know, comfortable Mm -hmm. being called higher and comfortable being seen at the same time. And when you do that, magic happens. Magic happens. You don't have to overplan. You don't have to Mm -hmm. overthink. You don't have to overdo. You can just be. It's about building phenomenal containers. This this is amazing. I mean, this is one of the few <laughs> few times that I, I really don't have a whole lot to, to say. <laughs> the only other time was 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 when I was interviewing Miss Ann McNeil. <laughs> I, yes. I, I just don't have much to say because you two are just absolutely at the forefront of my mind when I think of people who are living in their greatness, they are running, they are, you're not afraid of your greatness, you're owning it, and then you have the humility to want to refine this thing that you already own, which for me is something that I wish for all of my listeners, it's something that I wish for myself, it's something I definitely wish for my daughter, who has so much more of that than I, than I have ever had. So with that, I just want to just ask both of you, any final words you want to leave for our audience, anything you want to share uh, as we close out this epic conversation? Um, I just want, again, you know, first and foremost, Galen, thank you for being so insistent and emphatic yeah. in understanding why it was critical and important for you to bring together two powerhouses, two influencers, you know, two women who believe in doing work that's bigger than themselves. And not only that, not relenting. You were unrelenting. You can, (laughs) for the fifth time, for the sixth time, right? For the seventh time. I believe that is what love also is too, and playing interference. And, you know, Shane and I did have an opportunity to have a conversation. We've emailed, we've texted one another. And again, sometimes it is about timing, but know that the universe will ensure that we work together because guess what? Now it's already happened. And I know that I want to build on this. I'm hopeful that she does as well. Cause if not, I'm going to be sorry. <laughs> you do not want Mike drop as a stalker. Trust me. <laughs> She does not even need to stop. This is a thing, okay? (laughs) This is only the beginning. Um, And I, too, just want to express my gratitude to you, Galen, um, for bringing us together and for standing in your fullness and your yes and creating this container, okay? You know, I am new to the podcasting world. You were one of the first people to interview me. 
And it just made a huge impact on me. And it's not, not something that intimidates me anymore. And it's because you said yes to your divine yes, you know, and I'm just excited to be a part of this whole movement. Tamara, this is only the beginning. Two free Black yes. women put, put us together. There's just no telling. So Galen, you have done your work. <laughs> yes. And we will right. go forth and keep doing our work with, with everybody else. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, ra- raise your raise your waters. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to toast out. Thank you so much. Now I get to uh, put an end to wanting this conversation to happen uh, mm-hmm. because you have made it a reality. So with that, I want to thank you and cheers. 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 Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.